You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. Welcome to the Next Trek Podcast. Every week we break down the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery and give our thoughts on the final frontier. My name is Chris. And my name is Tyler. And this week we want to welcome somebody new to our podcast. Uh, This is somebody who is uh, uh, regular on the Screeners Podcast Network, but is is new with us. This is my brother, Daniel. So Daniel, why don't we uh, get started talking about our, your history with Star Trek, how you came to it. Uh, You came to it totally willingly uh, as we were growing up i know yeah hey guys uh great to be here for what is this the fifth episode of of next track something like that uh yeah, this is our fifth. yes okay perfect uh so yeah we uh we definitely grew up watching star trek uh it was a huge thing i'm you know i know tyler has talked talked about that on the podcast um i was probably the least into it um into the show but but it's always just been there throughout my life it's always been on the screen i've i've kind of been on the peripheries of, of the fandom my whole life. I've seen all the movies, seen probably, you know, 80% of all the, sh- all the uh, series, uh, but not gotten really in deep to the lore, never read any of the books, nothing like that. But I have just kind of this, um, I, I do have a, a love for it in a way, just not as deep as, as Tyler, certainly. Um, and so that's what, uh, it's going to be interesting. This is, uh, this is the first Star Trek show that I've watched on TV. As it's airing, uh, and so it's been an interesting experience. So you said you can you're going to be maybe a little quieter on this podcast. You you weren't uh, really you weren't really sure if you would have enough to contribute. What what kind of things are you looking for when you're watching this? Uh, whether it sucks or not, uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> based That's based good. upon That's... what? But just as as a show, as, as its own thing. Yeah. So you know, I'm I'm I actually had very low expectations for this show. Uh, and so it's been interesting kind of diving into something new and not looking at it through the lens of my brother or my dad, as I did with the other shows. Cause this is, like I said, this is the first one I'm mm-hmm. watching as it's on TV. So, um, this is the first one I'm watching with purely my own, uh, you know, thoughts and, and expectations. So, uh, yeah. Do you, are, are we diving into our thoughts on, on the show as a whole right now, or do we want to save that for later? I'd really just say we, not not the episode itself, but just the show so far. We're, we're this is the fourth episode of the of the series itself. What have you thought so far, just leading up to it? Yeah, uh, I the the biggest thing for me is I I the production value of this show is super high, and I did not expect that. I I really thought that this show would look really poor, uh, would not have good effects. Uh, not have good, you know, makeup and things like that. I just thought, I, I don't know what I was expecting. I just really thought it would be, I, I have a low opinion of broadcast, you know, dramas right now. Um, and I think that's that's for a good reason. And so yeah. uh, that's what I was expecting for Star Trek Discovery. And that's not at all what it is. The effects and the production value is so high. Like, really, it's it looks great. It really looks fantastic. All the effects are great. So that's my biggest takeaway so far. Um, as far as the show itself, I've got a lot of questions that we might get into. Um, just some stuff that doesn't quite not not from like a lore standpoint, but, but from a just a, a plot standpoint is just yeah. a little weird. Not bad. Well, there are definitely like, questions to ask. 
Yeah, like, I mean, the show's very mysterious as of now, and I think that's intentional, but it's to the point where it's like, okay, but it's actually not making sense, really. So um, it's almost, it's hard to approach, maybe, a little yeah. bit. It's, it, it's so, yeah. So, Would I don't you know, say it's overall, on the par of Lost and in, in not making sense like Lost? Um, I mean, not like that. Nothing, nothing's like that. Um, uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, just, just little things. We'll, we'll get into it because it kind of has to do with the plot of this week's episode, so we'll get into that. Okay. But, but my overall thoughts on the show is I, I'm, I'm in. Uh, I, e- yeah. Even if it wasn't for this podcast, I would probably still keep up with it. Uh, right now, I'm not 100% sold, but I would say I'm like 80% there. But you're in enough to nice. like finish out the season. Yeah, yeah, I think I would. Cool. All right, guys. Well, what we're going to do this week is try something a little bit different. Normally, we have just been going, you know, plot by plot or plot point by plot point, just inexorably through the episode, hitting every single tiny minute detail. And, and we do like that. We, we do live for our minutia, but um, partially... For our, our guest who is not as steep in Star Trek lore, and partially to try something new, we're gonna we're gonna do a summary at the beginning of the episode, just a, a brief overview of the of the whole episode, and that that'll maybe give us some freedom to to jump back and forth chronologically through the episode to not have to just be beholden to hitting every single scene, uh, the way that it's uh, the way that it's laid out in the episode itself. So, without further ado, here's the the broad overview summary of the episode. After returning from the glen with a creature, Captain Lorca asks Michael Burnham to study the creature and find out how it can be weaponized for use against the Klingons. And she refuses to deal with a package she's received from Starfleet, which turns out to be the contents of Captain Giorgio's will. So she sticks it under her bunk and doesn't want to deal with it. After she investigates uh, this, this creature for a little while, we have a crewman who dies in the while investigating the the creature that's uh, commander landry and the discovery is called upon to save a federation mining colony corvin 2 from a klingon attack so this ramps up the tension as Lorca demands that the spore drive works immediately and the crew needs needs to scramble to find out how to fulfill their captain's orders in the end it's discovered that the creature they brought from the glen is actually symbiotic with the spores and acts as a navigator uh, to get them instantaneously from from place to place in all of the universe, apparently. While this is happening, we revisit the Klingons back at the Binary Star, who are starving after the Federation battle six months before. They call the other Klingon warriors for aid, who return and ask for Takuvma's cloaking device. Laurel, a female warrior of two houses, helps Volk, the, the new torchbearer, re- retrieve technology from the Shenzo, which will help repair their vessel. And they have a moment where she tells him she'll support him in everything, working behind the scenes. Volk is then betrayed by Cole, one of the other uh, mainstream lead Klingons, who leaves him for dead on the Shenzo. But Laurel returns at the last moment to tell him that she'll hide him away with the matriarchs of their house. And finally, Michael Burnham, with a little push from Cadet Tilly, watches Giorgio's will, which has some gut-wrenching words for Michael Burnham. And she opens it. It's her telescope that was in her ready room. I don't think mm. I missed anything. Did I miss anything big? No, I think those are the major points, man. I do. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so let's let's try this try this new thing. Where do we want to Where do we want to start? Just right at the beginning with that opening shot. Uh, I think uh, Daniel. We, this is maybe the from a visual standpoint. This is one of the weirder things. What did you think about that that opening shot that looks like a a storm or something like that? Yeah, that was. Uh, a very expensive shot to be sure that had 
no discernible purpose. <laughs> it was right. just a replica. I thought it was some <laughs> world or some. I thought this alien. was a battle we're about to see. Yeah, yeah, and it was a it was a replicator. So that was uh, that was really unnecessary and kind of lame, honestly. Yeah, it was. I was a little bit. Yeah, I was a little bit underwhelmed. I was like, "Oh, that's really awesome! Like, so cool! What right. what the heck kind of world is this? Or are they are they, you know, is it the new spore drive thing that we're seeing or something like that?" And then, oh, she pulls out a uniform. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a replicated uniform, Starfleet uniform for for Michael Burnham, and that that's it. That was interesting. And so yeah. let's let's dive right into this. Is my first question? Yes, please. Uh, so this is a prisoner. Uh, she's been sentenced yeah. to life in prison. Yep. Yet yes. For no explainable reason she's now a fully fledged crew member on this ship well she doesn't have rank um uh, so and they, freaking they say what? that yeah <laughs> <laughs> this that's I the, think that, yeah that's my biggest problem with this show so far is she's a yeah. prisoner a very famous prisoner uh who, who should be in prison for life and yet somehow she is allowed to be on this ship and the captain is allowed to just do whatever he wants with this prisoner. Like it doesn't make any sense. Why would Starfleet ever let one of their very high profile prisoners just be loose and allowed to work? And she could do, she could destroy this ship, you know, if she's some evil person, obviously we know she's not, but it just doesn't make any sense. I like, I mean, I think I like it. I think, yeah, I think it's supposed to be that, though, Daniel. Like, I think that that's what they're trying to do here is to say, why? Why is Lorca okay with this? And I th- right. obviously w- what we're doing is we're seeing Michael's slow burn from learning, getting some redemption, right? Uh, and Lorca obviously doesn't have, I don't think, the best of... Uh, intentions when it comes i mean we've learned a little more about him in this but he's willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done even if that means bending the rules uh being unorthodox in every single way and i think he sees an opportunity in michael um to take advantage of her maybe not in the way that we i that i'm not saying like advantage in a bad way but like you know take advantage of this amazing asset that is was just a prisoner. He said that in the last episode. So like, well, you were just a prisoner doing nothing for no one. Now I can take you here and actually put you to work. So and I think know, that's I get that, the I get that from a, I get all that from like a, an emotion or a story standpoint, but just from a, from a yeah. practical standpoint, where the heck is Starfleet right now? Like why is Starfleet just letting this desperate. happen? That's they're the thing. Desperate. They're desperate. They're, they're losing yeah. this war. They've, they've said that yeah. a couple of times. And, and actually, I will say that this, I think, from a preview I saw, is going to be way explored in the next episode. Um, yeah. the, 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 they had an admiral talking to him. Admiral, I forget her name right now. Um, she, uh, she's talking to, to Lorca and saying, you know that everybody hates you for this. You know that that is like it's, it's hmm. freaking everybody out. Why are you stacking the deck against yourself in terms of your credibility? So I, I think that's a, that is certainly – they're not ignoring that. Yeah. Um, but I, I also – see this and I like our new structure here because I can bring in the very end. Yeah, no, 100% yeah. Lorca this, – this confirms what we talked about last week. Lorca orchestrated all of this. She is there yes. only – this was not an accident. Um, and what right. proves it for me is she's got he, – or he has Giorgio's uh, telescope, the will that um, that she left for Michael Burnham on the ship already. It's right. waiting for her there. 
So this was a plan. Right. He did this all on all on his own, and he's going to have to deal with Starfleet on that. I think you're you are well, right. And we know from we know from this episode that he's more than willing to bend emotions oh, to his man. will to get people to do things against maybe their initial instinct uh, and just kind of bend emotion around that. So I think that's exactly what he's done here. I think the telescope is a good point in reference that he's using, this, using that telescope in the same way and the will in the same way that he uses the recordings midway through this episode to uh, inspire the crew to do something uh, about uh, what's happening on, on the planet that, you know, is, is, mining stuff that's under a uh, Klingon siege. So I think he knows exactly how to, be. but I think Daniel, the question you're asking is, is the right question that the show wants you to be asking is why, why, why are they doing this? And I think they will explore that. I, I think obviously it's not something they're wanting to gloss over, but rather give a little bit of time sure. to breathe. So I think it's a good question to ask. I really do. And I think that's where it doesn't make Saru, a lot of sense. Yeah. That's where Saru is too. He's, he's, you know, said, I was wrong about you. You know, this is, you've not changed at all. You know, all this other stuff. She, he is, everybody is acutely aware of how awkward this is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, exactly. I I totally agree. Totally agree. Well, let's move, let's keep, let's keep going. So we we see the uniform being uh, formed, right? Sure. We, she gets the duffel that she doesn't open and shoves it underneath the bottom of her, her bed. Yep, and then there's there's a conversation with Saru in the tur- turbo lip, and we finally get the name of what these things that grow on the side of his head is. Yeah, and I I love it. It's and we see it. You know, those those popped out right there at the very end of the last episode when she wasn't yeah. leaving on the on the shuttle, and now it's his threat ganglia. I love mm-hmm. I love his threat ganglia, and I I just every time they just pop up, I'm like, oh, that's man, that's gotta be just awkward to live with, man. And he's like, yeah. like weirdly brushing them back. And it's, that's, it's just weird and quirky and adds to my love for Saru. Yeah. I still think Saru is the best fully fleshed out character because he, the, the clicks he makes, I yep. said this last episode, the clicks he makes whenever he gets upset or unsure or whatever. And that this ganglia and he's the way he walks and just that character all together is just put together very well. I, I believe he is a living, breathing. What's the name of his? I don't even know the name of his species. There we go. Uh, I believe him. I do. I, I think he's great. A really well fleshed out character. What did you think of that, Daniel? Did you have any kind of like what threat ganglia? What is this? No, no, I didn't have any. Okay, it's, good. Uh, yeah, it's fine. Okay, good. All right. It's so. fine. <laughs> I, I I do like that they were used as a plot point, and I really like how Saru uh, Saru I keep saying his name wrong. How Saru has kind of been used, and and we sort of had this conversation last week where you know why is Saru on this ship, or why is yeah. why are some of these other um, Shenzo crewmen on this ship? Well, one we know that Lorca now we know he likes to collect things. We know that already, but he likes to collect things that are useful to him. And sure. That's got to be useful somehow, you know. Your first officer is on the ship. We know he will follow orders because he's a Kelpian and and he's not really, you know, he's gutsy in his own way, but not in a traditional way. But he's got these threat ganglia that are going to pop up, and yeah. then and Michael Burnham uses those too because she's, I mean, whatever else she is, you know, we know she's she is emotionally wrought and emotionally, dis, you know, destroyed after everything that happened there. She is perfectly also willing to just manipulate Saru and and use him to test out her theories on this creature too so 
I think I, I like it. I think it's it's really great and it adds tension. I think it's going to be good. Yep, yep, totally. So as as we move forward here, we've got um, we've got more Lorca. We we see a lot more Lorca, and I I'm changing my opinion of him a little bit, and uh, or at least it's it's becoming more complex. We see these battle drills that he's been doing, um, yeah, with uh, with his crew. He is incredibly harsh on them. Is he un- uh, unnecessarily harsh, or is this getting giving us a good window into Lorca's character as they as they fail at their their battle simulation, and he just rips into them. You know, like I said last episode, this Starfleet, or at least this ship, is inc- much more militaristic than any other Starfleet vessel we've seen. Most of the vessels that we've been aware of, they operate more like a family. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Where we've got folks who really kind of, they might not like each other a lot, but at least they respect one another. They are, they understand their... And to tear down anyone would be ineffective and not a good thing. But this is much more like a military, you will do what I ask. I don't want to be your friend. I'm here to get the best out of you. And just a different view of of Starfleet than we've ever seen, or Starfleet ship, anyway. And that's that's what I was uh, interested about, because I, I can't see how sustainable this is so different than any other Star Trek show so far because yeah. uh, Captain Lorca is not a sustainable character um, unless he drastically changes he will be he, I mean he, he's a seemingly extremely harsh person uh, he's very yeah. rogue and I, so I, I'm just curious at how long uh, the show can keep this up without us uh, getting tired of him and and wanting him to be you know to to get what he deserves kind of thing or if exactly. they win the war you know he's gonna have no purpose anymore right I mean this right, is yeah. he is a this is his time what was he like when Starfleet is just exploring scientifically he's got to be bored out of his skull you know and so now he has not that he he I mean that's why Stamets calls him a warmonger in the last episode but it's not that he created this war. I mean, she did, but um, it's it's that he's, he's thriving. He's it. thriving on it. That's a good way of saying it. Yeah, and yeah, so totally. either he's gonna die. That's what I think. He's gonna die, um, you know, at the end of at the end of whenever, at the end of this war, uh, and then and that's it. Or he's going to be reduced to the thing he hates, which is the yeah, dude sitting around. I, I'm not totally sure. I'm, it's just interesting, like the timelines here, because it's only been six months, yep. correct, since the Klingon War yeah. has started. So obviously, the Discovery has been working on this technology longer than six months. Right. You know, the Discovery wasn't something that they thought of six months ago and then built and is now. You know what I mean? Yeah. The Discovery's existed for you know several years, probably without the threat of this war. So it was doing other things. I'm sure that's where Stamets thought he was doing. He was assigned to Discovery pre-war and was on a science vessel. In fact, uh, as Lorca brings Burnham to his menagerie, one of the things he says to her is, this is the tip of a spear on a science vessel filled with wide-eyed explorers. So I think what happened was it was a science vessel filled with wide-eyed explorers. Uh, It was a a healthy, wonderful place— the war happened, and I would imagine that Captain Lorca came in six months ago, took control of the yeah. Discovery and its, you know, thing. So they're they're probably just now getting to know Lorca as well. You know what I mean? They're just not working under this kind of uh, uh, the, the 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 fact that they're they're 
it's a war now. They're working in this in this you know, very different universe than they were six months ago, and now they're the tip of the spear. And so that's that requires a different energy. Sure. And so Daniel, I think to your point, as we get to know him and as he gets to know his crew, I I have a feeling it's going to change obviously quite a bit. I'm not I don't buy that he's going to stay this way because you're right, it's not sustainable. At some point, you're like, right. I don't like this character. I don't want to be around him anymore. I'm going to either turn the show off or this character is going to change. Right. And I think that's, I think the latter will happen. Well, that would be bad writing, right? To keep him as a static character. He's got to be dynamic. He's right. got to shift. Or right. if, if he cannot, he can't survive. You know, that's, it's that's just, really it. It's just interesting because most other Star Trek shows, we start when the crew is coming together and we yeah. get to know all. This is very different in that we don't, we're not sure when Lorca came on board. And we're not, we, we, we know that six months ago, Saru was, um, or, between six months ago and today, whatever, Saru is assigned to the Discovery. So we don't really know, you know, how long these group of people have been together. It doesn't seem like very long. And they I think are not a cohesive Daniel. unit. They are yeah, not I, a family that's working there. I, exactly. So, Daniel, I think to your point is, is that they're, they're still getting to know one another, even though it feels like they've probably been together longer than obviously Michael has been in. But it, it's, it's probably only been about six months. Um, and so he still has a lot of growing to do. And I think that's what we'll see. Yeah, hopefully. Right. So the with with that we we get Lorca, you know, telling Burnham he he wants her to weaponize the what we will later learn is called the tardigrade. And we'll talk about I think we can talk about that more a little bit later, but that's that's essentially yeah. exactly what you're saying there. He's now this thing that was scientific and she's going to approach this thing like a scientist. Nope. Yeah. Weaponize it. So that's yeah. I agree with you. Uh, I think that's that's exactly it's going to be interesting to see this whole shift. And I think from the previews, we're going to get more in next episode. So we uh, we shift over to the Klingons. Uh, we haven't seen them other than the shushing Klingon last week. We haven't seen uh, <laughs> much in the in the way of Klingons. Uh, and we get yeah. uh, Volk. We get uh, Laurel. We find out that they have been in disrepair. They were damaged in the in the battle at the Binary Star, and they've been sitting there just adrift and starving in space. And they ate Giorgio. Like, yes, they ate. They ate her. That's <laughs> yes, they did. Huh. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me. They're Klingons. They're they're crazy. But we we haven't seen that before. I I'm actually kind of okay with it. But that line, I saw your smile as you picked the meat from her smooth skull. Yeah, I was like, that. It, honestly, that was maybe the the most grossed out I've been in Star Trek. And just because it's Michelle Yeoh, you know, it's it's. I, uh, it's just, I don't know. It, it bugged me. What did, what did you guys, how did that impact you guys? You know, honestly, I was just a little confused by this whole scene. So the Klingon, the, the houses have been united and they've been at war, but they just left the ship sitting there. Like I, I, I didn't quite, I couldn't quite understand. Obviously, I guess they're just too proud to ask. I think for that's help. what it was. Yeah, and but I, aren't they united though? That's my thing. Like, I would, th- I would think like, at some point, I don't know. It just, it just seemed a little strange to me. They would leave a ship adrift with warriors on it. Yeah, for six months. But okay. I think, I think that they were just united, but not under the whole messianic Takuvma right. thing. It was we are united in this war. And and yeah. so Cole comes back there. He transports on there. And Cole, by the way, is is related. We don't know how yet. Is related to Kor, who's in um, the f- first season of of next of uh, the original series. 
and he's in Deep Space Nine, and he so it's he's in the same family. I hope we don't get another weird, awkward cameo or something like that. But, um, <laughs> but so I, he comes there, and he's very you know um, he, he's very humble, and he's bowing to to Volk, and says you know oh we you know we didn't listen to Takuma, we didn't heed Takuma, but now we you know we know that we need you. When he's really just there for the the cloaking device, I I think it was yeah get rid of these crazy fundamentalists essentially. And uh, we're going to win this war on our own, but we can't, yeah. and we need that cloaking device. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm having a hard time keeping up with this Klingon stuff. I was wondering what you what you were thinking about that. That's, I mean, as about as lore heavy yeah. as you, as we might get in here. What are yeah? What are you thinking with all this? Um, uh, I zone out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I zone out when the Klingons. I, honestly, are there. I don't blame you, man. I feel kind of the same way. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Honestly, I. I I was watching this with Melody, who was on uh, with the first episode that we yeah. we did. The first one, and yep. you know, like she would she do, she doze off and fall asleep, and like I can't blame. I just it it doesn't feel like there's much there. No. <laughs> it doesn't feel like there's much going on. There's not. yeah, it's because yeah. you know what the Klingons aren't. The Klingons are not pensive people who sit around and talk about their feelings. <laughs> yeah, that's not the Klingons. You know. Yeah. They they charge into battle like good or bad. That's just that's what they do. And these guys sitting around starving. It's as it's as non Klingon as you really can get. What were you gonna say, Daniel? You you're about to say something. Uh, no, it, it just like I said, it, it's it's uh, it's very uninteresting. They're tr- they're trying to have this kind of uh, almost Shakespearean just kind of uh, house. Yeah you know, battle or, you know, governmental kind of thing. A, it's a just game boring. of thrones, you might say. Yeah, it's just it's, not it's, interesting. It honestly reminded me a lot of, you know, the, the Star Wars prequels where they're talking yes. about, like, politics yep. and religion. And it's just like, look, I'm not... I'm not here for not that. interesting. Yeah, this is just not... We need to move on from, from, from yeah. this because it's just... It's not... There's no... There's no plot. What 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 is he trying to do? Now we kind of understand. Maybe kind of you know. Now he's in a precarious position, yeah. but I still don't understand what his motives at. Like, what does he want? Yeah, I have what no is idea. Go- we have no idea. So nothing. None of these cling. None of these Klingon scenes did anything to make me understand better what. Let's just go through the Klingon. Let's can sure. we just do that. Right. Let's yeah, go let's out of. Let's not, let's not even talk about anything else. Let's just talk about the. In chronology, the the Klingon. Well, hey, one so, one thing before we get to that. Uh, yeah, the, please. Uh, I'm sure you guys have talked about this, so we don't need to spend much time. But these Klingon, no, yeah. these Klingons look stupid, right? Am I am I right? wrong in that? They look really dumb. <laughs> I this is can't the f- stand them anymore. Like I was a defender of them at first. I really liked the idea in previews, and every time I see them, I dislike them more. You know, honestly, I, I, it's not so much. To be honest with you, it's not so much the look. I'm fine with the look. I honestly have a problem with the way that they speak. Right? You um, cannot understand them. You can't them. understand a word they say. And well, what's funny is they're speaking a different language. <laughs> right. And, and and of course you can't understand what they're saying, but it sounds like they've got something stuck they're wearing in their mouth. Fake yeah. teeth, and you yeah. can feel it. You so, also, they can't emote either. These actors have yeah. no. I mean, come on, Klingons before and and. Sorry, Daniel, this, this, you know, going to, you know, three other series of Star Trek that has Klingons in it, they can emote, they have, you can see their eyes can, can widen their, they can growl, they can move their face. These guys have absolutely, utterly no movement on their face. Yeah, I'm, 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 they are, 
they're not growing on me in the way that I was hoping they would. I, I honestly don't have a problem with the way they look. As like I said, I just I have a problem with what what they're doing with them. Yeah, uh, it, and it feels like they're adding something new every time we see them. Yep, it, it just it. It's just not interesting, to be honest with you. Because, right. like, again, we start understanding that they are now, they've been adrift for six months. And the 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 girl, the female, what is her name? Laurel. Laurel gives the idea that they should go to the Shenzhou and get the um, the, the dilithium core, right? Yep. Or whatever it is. What is it called? Yeah, the dilithium chamber to, to power their their ship to power their ship um, which by the way and, seems like it's powered up just fine but that's fine i don't know that's the ones i don't understand like and he's then, wasting then that tr- power on some really nice little pretty hologram thing that whatever. right they also don't look like they're starving but but okay it's fine yeah i don't and but they're they're but they're able to transport places mm-hmm. and they're able anyway i i didn't I, that was that was not very clear to me so that's the first scene right yep. hey we should go do this and he kind of agrees yeah then the next uh sequence with the Klingons. Um, yeah, she convinces him to go to the to the Shenzo, uh, and then Cole. And comes then they in. get Core. Yeah, yeah. Cole comes in and beams over, and you know basically mocks him. Uh, this is very Shakespearean. Daniel. Oh, totally. I loved, it, it really is which, Shakespearean, which I that's the part I'd like actually yeah. a little bit. Yeah, like but Daniel, you said that. Like that's exactly what this is. Is you can see like it is a you know a betrayal happening, um, and. For some reason, the 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 leader is unaware yeah. of this. Um, but anyway, so he comes in and says all the right things. Yep. He's pretending, you know, humbling to himself, yep. and then basically says, "I am going to uh, help you. I'm going to join you." But we this was interesting. Cloaking device. Yeah, they are the they're the only house that has a cloaking device, which is crazy. Um, and I do like that. I think that is interesting. Like, let's yeah. explore where they got the cloaking device from. That that's cool. I I think that's neat. Yeah. So basically, you know, he he's he's tricking him to give all the rest of the Klingons this cloaking technology, yeah. and that's all. That's what he obviously wants. Um, so that's that scene, right? Yep. And then we the next scene is they're um, over on the Shenzhou finally. Yeah, and man, this is again talk Shakespearean. They are, it's it is all machinations and you know political stuff that they're talking about. It's it's cool. I don't want the mantle of leadership, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, all I, that kind of st- that quote is awesome. I, I don't. Yeah, that you just started it. I don't want that that mantle of leadership standing behind you. I am free to move, able to be your enforcer, defender, campaigner. As Laurel speaking to Volk, I right. I love that. That's. This is truly, this is Star Trek Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, th- this right. is what they're trying yeah, yeah, to do yeah. here. It, it's not on par, I don't think, yet. Um, but that's exactly what they're trying to do. That That is, that's it. Um, you are the face of this. Let me be, you know, the enforcer. The hand, and the hand of the is basi- basically telling Voke, hey, I want to be your right hand yep. woman. <laughs> yeah. I right hand man, but... Um, and pledging allegiance to him, basically, because totally. because Volk is asking, why are you still he- why are you doing this? Because you were next in line. Why did you let me yep. lead? Why are you calling me was... my lord? Over again. right, yep, exactly. And he doesn't want her to do that. He's he's uncomfortable with right. that. But you know, whatever. So, and Daniel, then, does that any of that resonate with you, Daniel? You know, that from just a storytelling standpoint, or is that just is that too deep, too nitty gritty, like just too out there? Nope. <laughs> None of it, uh, none no. of it resonates. Uh, because, awesome. uh, to be 
perfectly frank with you, I uh, don't remember like none of this. No, th- this stuff just bored me. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And, and yep. I don't. I'm not emotionally invested even in the slightest bit to any of the Klingons. Um, So I I am emotionally invested in Michael Burnham. I I am emotionally invested in what happens there. Uh, None of this. So I I, uh, forgot a bunch of the stuff that you guys even talked about. And to be honest, I I forgot too until I rewatched. Yeah, no, me too. So they basically, they steal the dilithium chamber. That's what happens here. Oh, and here, real, real quick, they she, yeah. they steal the dilithium chamber, right? And she, they've had this. She says this, you know, wonderful thing. I want to be your enforcer, defender, campaigner. And then she looks at him, real meaningfully, and goes, "Should we uncouple?" And I'm, yes. I'm sorry, yes. I had to, I had to like look, go <laughs> back, and I was like, "That is not That's, what you just asked him." It was so bad. Yeah, you did not. Just, you want to couple? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was. That, it was bad. It was it was super awkward. Yeah. yeah. She should have just yeah. said, like, should we just, like, make a deal or what? So the only thing I can think of is that I wish that they would not speak Klingon anymore. <clears throat> I wish that we we could hear them speak English. Right. I know what they're trying to do. I understand that. And the very first episode, they showed the Klingon text yeah. and it morphed into English. Yeah. I truly wish it would have done both things. You know, where, pull, pull I, I want to, or a, or a hunt for red October yes. is what I was going to say. Yeah, totally. Yeah. They're, they're switching. They start in one and then switch out. I think absolutely. Yeah. Valkyrie does the exact yep. same thing. Um, yeah. Like I just, I don't understand. I think that's a part of the tedium of this whole thing yeah. is that I have to. And cause like you said, it's very Shakespearean and you have to read this yeah. stuff rather than connecting with these characters. I think it's, Honestly, I think it's a it's a misstep. Yeah. But anyway, okay. And, and the so fact they, that they can't emote, I, they they're saying yeah. all of it. It's not. She doesn't say that. You know. You know. Oh, I don't want the mantle of leadership. You know. She doesn't emote at all. You know. She is just. I don't want the mantle of leadership. Standing yeah. behind you, I am free to move. like. Come on, like that because and I I, I would say that's Snorfest. not her yeah. fault. I don't think that's her fault. I truly think it's because her her head is encased in silicon. <laughs> right. All right. So then they beam back over yep. to the ship. Oh, and then and more Shakespeare. Yeah, yes. Keep going. Yeah, more Shakespeare. Cole basically has brought food. Yep. Uh, to the starving Klingons uh, on the ship, uh, and has given them a new leader, basically in himself, and said, "Hey, you know what? I'm taking over. Yep. This is you know you failed. You are not you know." what these people need yeah you're not what the klingons need and basically laurel very quickly oh, she's, it's good i i did like this scene i will say the other stuff i think it was weird i like this scene yeah like uh goes from you know uh just the scene before saying i pledge my allegiance to you i want to be your shot caller and be like yeah <laughs> uh and now she says oh you know what no i'm i'm gonna stick with you and grabs some food and starts eating um, and basically shoves it right in, uh, in his face. Yep. So, yeah. So anyway, th- there it is. Uh, Cole has now taken over the house, uh, got now the technology he wanted and has no, absolutely no use for Vulcan anymore right. and says, kill him. Yep. Right. She, he wants him dead. And Laurel has a better idea. What does she say to, to go to the um oh the, she's going to take him to the to her house to the house of Mokai and you're going to be taught by the matriarchs 
and you're going to have to relearn everything or, or lose everything in order to. No, 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 no. This is the, he, this is what he she tells Cole is going to happen. Oh, she she tells Cole that uh, we're going to basically send, the, send him off to where everybody died, right? Yeah, to the Shinzo. Yeah, send Just him leave to the him on the Shinzo. The worst shame he can face is being on the on the Shinzo. Yeah. Well, that isn't okay. All right, I guess. This, well, but this is another one of those like super big um, tropes in movies, right? Where the 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 villain says i'm gonna kill you and then somebody else says no let's just leave him on the island and surely he'll never <laughs> yeah. come back and yeah. just defeat us although it's stupid that's the klingons I, I again the klingons would go there they they like they like shakespeare we know the klingons like shakespeare anyway uh and they would i, I think they would see the poetic justice now uh, practically uh, i think they would I, I think they'd do it I know, but I was really hoping, honestly, when I was watching the scene, Melody has fallen asleep. <laughs> As I was watching the scene, I was like, oh, it would be so good if he like nodded and then took a blaster and just yeah. blew his head off. Yeah. Like that would be so much more Klingon yeah. in my It totally my would. Head. Yeah. I, I, so. Well, and, and, anyway. and Volk, they're, they're trying to make Volk, you know, the, he's the Klingon protagonist essentially. Uh, although yeah. I like, I like Laurel way better than I like him. I think she's super interesting and, and I'm curious to see what this house of Mokai with the matriarchs are and, and all that stuff. I, it's, it's at least intriguing me enough. Um, I need to be able to see emotions, but that's at least story wise. I'm okay with that. It's so just, what you're, what you're alluding to is, is so, uh, um, Oh, what's his name? What's the the Klingon Cole uh, agrees to that, right? Oh no! And oh, he agrees to put him on the Shinzo. You mean agrees to put him on the yeah, Shinzo? Yeah, yeah. And then and then so uh, he ends up on the Shinzo, and then at the last moment, Lorel joins him on the Shinzo. Yeah, she defects. Um, she leaves. She says, "I've stolen a raider. You're coming with me. I'm bringing you to the to the right. matriarchs." Whatever. Those and are. that's basically where we leave this. Yeah. So this whole the whole thing here is they stole a dilithium uh, core. <laughs> they got it stolen as well as all of their cloaking technology. And now it's just the two of them, Laurel um, and Volk, yeah. who are now going to go to the matriarchs to look after him. Yeah. I, I'd what? Okay. All right. So that's, that's, that's the whole Klingon thing in a, in a nutshell. That's yeah, basically I, it. Yeah. I don't, I was not impressed. I think this is the weakest part of this episode by like a long shot. And just unfortunate. I feel like they're not doing what they could be doing with the Klingons. So that's my feeling on it. How about you guys? Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. This is the weakest part of the episode. I am intrigued. Although we've been burned already. I think with these Klingons, uh, (laughs) we, I'm intrigued by the possibility of where they're going with it. Um, but I'm increasingly wary and it's really honestly just because I'm getting, you know, uh, Game of Thrones envy a little bit. I'm I'm surprised that's not hooking you a little bit more, maybe Chris. But um, because she's you know we could probably make some some great comparisons. You know, Volk is Jon Snow or or whatever. Certainly not nowhere near as as charismatic and junk like that. But we do have this. You know, he is the Messiah of of them, and she is going to help him. And there is all these political machinations. Well, but it's see, not paying off yet, though. You know, help me out, both of you guys, and Daniel, you maybe even more so. Like I. I get that, but they're setting him up to be the villain, right? Yeah. Right. He's a super weak villain. Yeah, he's I agree. bad. Yeah, She's yeah. cooler than As, he is by far. So that's the problem for me is sure. that uh, 
there's no cool villain here. There's no like, I mean, I'm guessing, I guess they're trying to set up um, the the other the other Klingon. What was yeah. his name? The one Cole. that stole everything. Cole. Yeah, at him. As I want the, him to be the villain. He's at least. I I think he emotes better than the rest of them. But yeah, I want him to be the the big bad guy so far. And I guess maybe he will be. But the villains have no real face, and I don't, I don't care yeah. about them. Nope. I guess is the so if I'm supposed to care about them, I don't yet. Yeah. There's nothing that connects me to these people. Yeah, by far the biggest all. villain so far is uh, Captain. Uh, whatever right, is Lorca. Right, totally. so yes, I, I, yeah. I, they're setting up Vok to be. I I agree. I think he he will. It seems like he will be the big villain of the series. He'll be the, uh, I don't know, savior of the Klingons or whatever. But uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. They're, they're making a, him a little sympathetic, and it just doesn't. It just doesn't make any sense, really. Yeah. 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 I I think Vok will maybe end up being the the one that makes the peace treaty with Starfleet actually, you know, Cole will be the, the, uh, the, the big bad yeah. is my idea. And then Volk will go talk to these matriarchs, realize he's made a ter- terrible mistake, misunderstood the teachings of, uh, you know, Kalas and will try to unify the Klingon empire in a way that will defeat Cole and what he's trying to do and then make a peace treaty with. So then we'll actually have, like you said, Tyler, someone to actually care about. Sure. Because he's on maybe the same trajectory as Michael Burnham. Like he he started the war, Michael Burnham started the war, and I have a feeling at the end of the season or the end of the war, we're going to see Michael Burnham and him come together and say, whoops, we made a mistake. This right. was not good and make things better again. So the, I, I, I'm guessing that's what, but right now I just, I don't, I don't understand. I don't have any connection with these characters. I don't sure. feel they're doing a good enough job there. So Damn. anyway, so those, those are the, there's the Klingon stuff. All right, let's go back to Starfleet then. I think yes, uh, let's do it. Let's. So uh, the big story arc of this, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the big story arc of this, uh, this whole Starfleet side is that Lorca wants her to weaponize um, this this microscopic but macro sized. Um, creature that has something to do with the spores and and we're not really sure why they found him on the glen and brought him over at the end of last week ep- last week's episode and and that's michael's journey this this episode and i think actually just on a structural note i think they're doing a good job of of having one-off episodes that are still tied into the overall series um I don't, what do you guys think about that that's star trek has always been episodic are they are they doing enough of of keeping it to one episode and then but also tying it to the bigger stuff. It didn't feel like a standalone episode to me. None, neither of them, none of the episodes so far have. They all feel very, uh, very serial. Not not necessarily I mean, that yeah. that's a bad thing, but that's just how it's felt. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't think there's a lot here that you would understand if you hadn't seen true the episodes that came before it. I mean, I I. Even the creature itself, obviously, was brought aboard last yeah, week. Right. And obviously, this week, I think they're doing a good job of telling a contained story. That's more of what episode. I mean. Not a, not a one-off, a, a contained yeah. story. Yeah, that's more of yeah, what I mean. Yeah, I, I think there's a good contained story here. Um, yeah. Yeah, totally. But you can't jump um, around in this in this season. Yeah, I don't think so. No, there's no way that you could tell somebody, hey, watch this episode. Yeah. And then they would come across saying, oh, yeah, no, I understood that. No, you need you need to watch the season, not just an episode. Yeah. So in this scene where they're uh, 
where Michael and uh, what's what's the officer's name? The security officer that Landry. 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 So when they're talking, um, th- this was some of the worst dialogue of the episode because um, it was oh, so man. on the nose. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. Let's let's call it Ripper. Uh, That's what it looks oh, like. Not, That's not what even it does. not even that. Just the uh, uh, oh, you're only interested in its aggression and like it was yeah. obviously talking yeah. about Michael. Yep. I was like, come on, guys. My, Michael is 100 percent oh, aware of the metaphor. Gosh. She's 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 weaving so right there. Dumb. Yeah. yeah, it was it was a little bit. I I I, I really honestly I just kind of glazed over it. Yeah. I was like, this is not. I'm not. This is a this is not what they mean. Right. This is poor writing well and the next the next line after like right after that too is uh not not about the creature but it's landry's talking to her about Lorca. you're new here so let me share a piece of wisdom Lorca isn't interested in what you are he's interested in what you can do for him we found that out last episode yeah i know i we're very aware about this yeah you don't have to say it was reiterating right yeah totally in fact it, it i liked landry and I say that in past tense for a reason, but I liked Landry for her shades of gray that we saw in the last episode. We were like, Ooh, is she like, you know, she's sleeping with the captain. Is she, is she using him and he's using her? Like what's going on? And then she's, she dies. She's not, yeah, none of that. Yeah. There's no, there's, there's no subtlety. There's no subtlety at all. It is just, she is a lackey and willing to do whatever Lorca tells her to do. And just uh, pick and up a phaser rifle and just like, well, well, you know, I can't figure out what to do with this thing. I'm just going to blast yeah. it as much as I can. Like I, yeah, yeah, totally. What? Yeah. That didn't happen in this season, uh, this scene. Though, no, did it didn't. Did I'm it? jumping ahead okay. a little bit, but it's, no, it's, okay. it's I, just this. I just want to make sure. Yeah. And, no, I agree and, with you. That, can, go sorry, ahead. this is this is what typifies my, my feelings about this episode. Um, this is the weakest episode so far, which which uh, worries me for the series as a whole because, um, you know, the first two episodes episodes are obviously drastically different from what the rest of the show will be. It's on a different ship, all that. Um, and yeah. then the la- the the previous episode, the third episode, uh, was interesting because it was everything new again. It was basically a repilot. And um, now that we're kind of settling in, the newness is kind of worn off. This is where we're going to be the whole the rest of the the season at least. And it's it's not great. It's 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 fine. It's not like this is bad, but it's just kind of. You know, uninteresting dialogue. Uh, you know, the Klingon stuff is not good. So I, I don't know. This this episode worried me more than the previous episodes. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you on some of those points. I think though, I, I'm I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying the uh, the next step. I guess yeah. is what I'd say. I'm taking this one step at a time, and I feel like this isn't a horrible step. Uh, I don't think it was a misstep. But there are some troubling moments. In particular, like we said before, that pat that that last scene, the dialogue is a little bit too on the nose. There is no layer. There is no, uh, you know, subtlety as we said, and that's what is troublesome for me. Is I feel like they're trying to do a little bit too much projection for the audience, saying, yeah. "Here's what we're doing." So I'm hoping subtlety starts to creep back in. And I would say that's that's often a hallmark of Star Trek, and it's not defending right. it. It's more of just what it is. It's often you know Star Trek can have very clunky lines, but what they're yeah. trying to do is comp- is to make this premiere show, um, you know, subscription only, and all this other stuff, HBO quality kind of kind of stuff is what they're trying for, and they're still stuck in network 
mode in some ways like that i think yeah. where they are playing to a uh, i don't even know if i would say the lowest common denominator but they're 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 trying to lower some things for the audience to you know, well, to give them some low just, hanging fruit and then you know but also yeah. deliver some other goods so totally yeah absolutely yeah all right so then we get into the main meat right the uh the actual reason this episode like the actual plot of the episode uh within Lorca's ready room oh man yeah and and we're gonna see much more of the the person who's about to come in vice admiral katrina cornwell played by jane brooke and i didn't look her up but i know her from something and it's bothering me and i meant to look her up um from some old show like or some old movie or something like that um and uh she calls Lorca while he's eating and it's and it's by the way, I hate his attitude. He's talking to the Admiral with his mouth full and all this other stuff. And I was like, man, you have just got a, I don't know. I, I'm, Lorca is, I'm still trying to figure him out. Anyway, the, the meat of this episode is Corvan 2 uh, is under attack by the Klingons and the Discovery needs to get there. They need to get there now. They need to get there yesterday. Um, and it doesn't matter how they get there. And Lorca straight up lies to her and just says, yep, we're ready. No problem. I told you you'd be uh, ready when you called and we are. I told I, I like this scene a lot. Actually, I I I like that again. He's got something that it reminds me a little bit. Did you guys ever watch Airwolf? Ha! I've seen an episode of it and I hated it. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so Airwolf was one of my favorite shows. Uh, you know, growing up. My anyway, uh, it's basically it's about a pilot who uh is trained f- to fly this particular helicopter and no one else knows how to fly it it's that kind of complicated and you know whatever and so the government is kind of at his mercy because if the government asks him to do something they have to be very Mm. careful to make sure that they do it in a way that won't tick him off because if they do he won't go do the mission because the technology and the pilot are so interconnected and i've got the feeling that this is the same way he's like the, the the captain here is a rogue that uh, does whatever he wants because he's got something that Starfleet needs and they're going to do their best to not disrupt that because they know that he's got a good thing going and they want to make sure that this weapon slash technology gets used to fight the war effort and actually get things done. Uh, and so that's why I get the feeling here is, is that he knows he's kind of the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. He knows he's got the best thing going. He's got all the cards too. Exactly. And so he's, I don't know that he's being flippant here. More like he just knows this person, yeah. this admiral. They definitely have a history, and and I th- again, right. I think we see more of that in, in next week's episode. But right. uh, but this this scene I enjoyed, but it has the greatest jump cut uh, into the yes, next. Yes, it does. It was good. Yep. I love I love it because he's like I told you to be ready when uh, when you called and we are and then it cuts immediately to Stemmet saying we can't do that yep. we're not ready it's it's great it was, I I did laugh that out loud that is a, a great transition to my next note um, yes Stamets <laughs> is the worst is he not yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's he's Oh man, I don't know. I can't decide yet. Oh, I, I have decided. I didn't like him. <laughs> okay. I didn't like him last episode. I like him now. Go for it. So, so wait, 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 yeah, wait. Why, why don't you like him? Because he's the worst. He is so annoying. He's the worst. And it's not I get that the character is supposed to be a little obnoxious, but he's just right. like Yeah. 
un purely unlikable. Like he's not one of those who is is obnoxious and ah, oh, but you kind of like him. Like he, I don't like the scenes that he's in. If he's in the scene, I'm immediately turned off because he is so annoying. He's sarcastic. He's disrespectful to his captain, which I don't understand that at all. Um, I think it's the honestly, I think it's the same thing as Lorca. Now that Chris said that, he Lorca needs him. Yeah, like just but, like the Federation needs Lorca, Lorca needs him to make this thing work. Yeah. Well, but he, but he gets corrected pretty quickly. He though. does. Lorca puts him in his place. He does. When, when, because Lorca when, also when, knows that situation. It's, yeah, I, Stim, yeah, Stimitz Stimitz is not nearly as powerful as Lorca. He has none of the charisma yeah. or authority <laughs> that Lorca has. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. No, but I I understand what you're saying, Daniel. I. I have a hard time with him too, and I am still trying to decide whether or not that is an intentional thing, where he is just so uh, kind of annoying. I'm saying nerdy and annoying. Yeah, and and you know, supposed to be that kind of air of like you talked about it last week, and I, when I was in conversation with a couple of my friends, Tyler, I, I mentioned your point. He speaks differently than anyone else in the show. Yep, he um, is. He is a 21st century person yeah and and i i linguistically is 21st century even i mean he everyone else star trek has always been elevated like good or bad has always been elevated dialogue it's it is almost shakespearean um hit or miss it is almost shakespearean and he the first time we see him you know he's he's using 21st century cliches you know shut up oh i hate you like, like, how is he not saying, like, get, step back, get out? Like, how is he not saying those things? Because they would be just only, you know, be right alongside those things. And, and I, that's not, I don't think that's the actor's fault. I think that's writing. It's just, it, I, I get that takes you out of it. Yeah. And that, that has got, it's taken me out of it. I'm getting used to it, but yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. Let's keep going. Yeah. Although I, I'll say I liked him more in this episode. So, um. Yeah, I think I think I'm starting to warm up to him, honestly. I think I'm getting where he's coming from. But there is a later scene that we can talk about when he's with the creature and it is a little bit strange, but I I laughed with that one. I, I think I know what you're talking about. Uh okay. Okay, so uh they're they're talking. So it's right after that jump cut, they're arguing about whether or not we can do this. And I'm I'm gonna bring up this article and I'm gonna follow this uh, every single week now, I think. And and I'll mention it just briefly and then we will direct you guys to the article that, that I'm mentioning here. So uh I didn't credit this guy by name. I, I mentioned a Forbes article last week um and it's uh, in this week the Forbes article. Uh, it's it's by a guy named Ethan Siegel, Doctor Ethan Siegel. He is a, a an astrophysicist. He's a the author of the book called Technology. So um, this isn't a, like a random blogger who's just mad about stuff. Um, this guy is addressing the the science of the show, and the title of his article is Star Trek Discovery is smart sounding scientific nonsense, and I was really intrigued by the things that he was saying. Again, we'll post this in the, in the show notes, but the thing that, that drove me a little bit crazy. And again, this is only cause I, I read the hard sci-fi and I've heard a lot of these terms, but I had to start looking stuff up and by looking this stuff up, I was redirected to his article. Um, so, uh, Stamets, Stamets says, you know, we, uh, the Glenn, the Glen crashed into an undetectable Hawking radiation firewall when it exited from a mycelial plane. As a result, all the biologicals on board spun out. So Stamets says that. That means yeah. 
that means that the Glen, uh, the Glen arrived at a black hole where it was supposed to be sucked in. So the Hawking, the Hawking radiation is the decay yeah. of a black hole, meaning the energy of a black hole is decaying. And it hit a firewall, meaning a ton of energy that fries everything. So it's yeah. decaying energy that is, that is super frying, and it also left the ship intact. So it, it the ship cool. – sh- all of that to say, the, the guy says, one, those two, those two things are um, – they they are contradictory to one another. Plus, hey, hey, ty- hey yeah. Tyler, Tyler, okay, okay. Um, do you want to? This is called uh, it's called sci-fi. I know, but science and then the word fiction. Right. I know. So I know. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I'm I. The only the only thing is I'm just I'm just intrigued by it, and I'm it doesn't it doesn't honestly bother me too too much. Other than I'm, it just sounds intrigued. like it does. It does. You, you did, you you did like you've got like a bunch of. This, <laughs> I think this has the most points of anything else in the uh, the show notes that you sent us. It's um, it's more okay. Honestly, the thing that bothers me more, yes. uh, we can we can I can really set that stuff aside because I do agree with you. That's it's sci-fi. Um, as much yeah. as it, it it intrigues me, I do have I've always liked the science fiction of Star Trek. Um, the the no, science part of that. The thing that bugs me more, and this is not that that black hole firewall stuff is yes. how were Stamets and I forget his, his, his partner on the Glen. How are they not sharing research with one another? Like what? they're like, Oh, I found this chair and I found this thing and we don't know this other thing that's supposed to plug into it. They are on the same project in a war. They are trying to do this stuff like, and, and to get this, this drive that will save everybody and they have no idea what each other was doing. The, Daniel, you can feel free to respond to this. But again, this is just all speculation. I don't know for sure, but I know you had written this too. And I, for me, it was more about like, yeah, because they're trying to do they're trying to do separate tracks, like take take different hits at 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 the same problem, yeah, and see what works. And I think that's more what it was like. There's almost like a double blind like. You do your thing. We're going to do our thing and not try and muddy the waters. You know what I mean? Not get into group think and get down the same road and then have the same problem. So if you do your thing, we'll do our thing and hope that we get different results and one of us actually finds the right solution to what we're looking for. Yeah. That I, would be that would be my – but that's all speculation. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I, I mean, I have no idea. They haven't, they haven't said why yet. Yeah, plot-wise, that was my my main hang-up. Other than the Klingons, we had that thing, but that was my main yeah. hang-up the whole time. I was thinking, you, not not to mention the coincidence that they just like randomly beamed over this the one creature that's able to be plugged into their navigation and will make it work suddenly as long as we have this other chair. Um, like, well, but no, but this they had that on. I mean, that was the same one that the, that was on the Glen. Oh, I know, so it wasn't but, like but they just, why yeah. they beamed over? They beamed over that creature. They count basically. It, it's all coincidence. The fact that Lorca collects things that can kill other things, and oh man, oh, sure, you know, sure, sure. it doesn't yeah. kill. We plug it in. Like, I, I don't know. I just it doesn't seem that's so that's so coincidental to be. I think I, it's it's hanging too loose for me. I don't disagree with you. It would have made more sense for them to have encountered this problem and looked at all the technology and said, something's missing here. Oh, maybe that creature. 
Yeah. Was well, the reason. And then they go back right. to the, you know what I mean? But they'd or, already destroyed that, it. So that uh, it, uh, Stamets, Stamets knew that they needed the creature, you know, and, right. and was like, we got to get this. Like that would have even right. made last episode better. I think we have to get this creature. What are you? What are you kidding me? He's running and chasing us and killing us. Look what he did to those Klingons. You know, like right, it yeah. would have. I don't know. I think it's. They're I don't disagree it. with you. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. Plot wise, this creature is a li- seems a little silly. Uh, maybe more than a little. Well, Daniel, what were you thinking about this creature being the navigator of the universe? Uh, yeah, exactly what Tyler said. That was so coincidental. Uh, yeah, it's a really, it's a good thing they beamed that over because they definitely did not have to. Uh, and yeah, I, I found it, it really, shouldn't have. Yeah, it's only because right. Lorca's crazy, basically. You know, like and and wants wants killing machines. That's why. Yeah, this whole um, I, man, I'm the negative guy on this whole thing. I I, I don't mean to for every comment I have to be negative, but uh, <laughs> I think I think all of our our guests are the negative ones. <laughs> Tyler and I get really excited yeah. about the show, and then we have our guests come on. and They're like, guys, I think you might be bring us back down to reality. Yeah, good. I'll yeah. keep you grounded. Go uh, ahead. This whole spore thing is yeah. is a little out there, um, and it's it's just yet another thing. Just I don't know. I, the, the, everything is I call just so boo coincidental. Like it doesn't really. It does. I don't care about this stupid spore drive. Um, I want to see. <laughs> I want to see the war that's going on. Uh, like right now, right. I know they're they they talk about it and they're preparing for it, but we feel yeah. so disconnected from this. I mean, that's where all of Starfleet is, right? They are you know pinned down in this war, yep. and we're over here playing around with spores. You know. Yep. You know what I. We didn't mention in the the ready room. We co- totally didn't mention the the actual plot of the show, did we? After I, said, I no, I did we, the the fact that the the base is under attack. Okay, yes, yep. you did. Okay, so it's forty eight hours. So there's a clock going yep. right. So everybody's kind of under this 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 pressure at the moment to solve it um, within the next eighty however many hours. Yeah. So yeah, no, totally. I I get it. I, I understand that that the technology explaining the technology is not necessary yeah. in, in this sci-fi thing. I think it would be much better just to say, hey, this thing works yeah. now, and now I'm hoping now we're just going to move on to next week. This technology just works. Now we can jump wherever we need to. And, and to again, jump. it looks it looks like we're getting somewhere in that with, with next week. We're going to get more into the war or more into some, some conflict other than just you know people being right. shifty toward one another. Um, so let's, let's push forward here. Let's, let's get into the, so like we just said, the discovery is ready to use the spore drive, whether they like it or not, they are, they're going to jump, uh, and they do jump and the tardigrade freaks out, which gives Michael Burnham her clue as to, you know, some of it, uh, some of what's going on with the, the creature and they land basically on top of a star. Um, and I, I do like the little line Lorca, uh, Detmer, the, the lady from the Shenzo says, um, collision is imminent. And Lorca says collision is not an option. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, okay, that's good. That's a good motivator, sir. Uh, but then they, they fly out, they save themselves, and uh, that's when uh, that that pushes them even even further. They are more desperate now, and uh, Landry and Mark, Michael Burnham decide to take a more drastic approach to figuring out the creature to, right. to not great results. No. Um, they, I mean, I'll say they kill, they kill uh, Landry. That was... That was a shock to me. I was really, really surprised that they did it. Um, yes. In fact, one of the people I was watching with said, uh, 
well, they're just going to heal her. What are we worried about? And then she, and then she died immediately right after that. And I was like, it, it was, I, I will say at least we, we thought the stakes weren't there and the stakes, I think they're fake stakes, by the way. I don't think they're, they're good. You know, we, I really like this character and she's dead. Yeah. But, I, yeah. I was surprised. I had the exact same reaction. I, I thought for sure they were going to, we're going to heal her. Um, so yeah. yeah, I thought that was good. Yeah. So, uh, again, pushing forward a little bit more, uh, Lorca then decides uh, to do, this is, this is probably the most like controversial in terms of the morality here. Um, he decides to broadcast the death cries of, and the distress calls of Corvan to this colony, um, to the entire Shenzo as a, or the entire discovery as a motivator. What did you guys think about his choice to do that? Um, you know, it just, again, it shows more of his character. He's willing to manipulate people emotionally to get them to do what they think is necessary. But this, this is what, this is the actual uh, thing that pushes, um, Landry to, to shoot the creature, right? No, this he does it. He does it in sick bay after she's died. The, the landing That's on the right. star is That's the thing right. that, uh, is the thing that motivates her and, and jumping to the wrong spot. That's right. I, I, for some reason, I, I thought it was the other way around. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, again, he's, he's willing to, to emotionally manipulate uh, whoever he can to get the result that he's looking for, I guess. I, I'm not, I would be exhausting. Like, yeah. If I was a crew member, that kind of, uh, of a push, Daniel, like you were saying before, would only go so far, and then you'd be exhausted. You'd say, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. It's so, not a healthy work environment, like one way or the no. other. It's and HR should you know come in, but I guess it's wartime, so it's fine. That's right. So it it works, and it, again, it pretty quickly we move forward from there in, in this plot. Um, that pushes Michael. Even you you see her face, and you see everybody else. You know, uh, kind of um, putting their head down and getting to work. And she she figures out that hey, if we uh, if we plug the the tardigrade into this into the this weird chair thing that we have in the chamber, and then he eats the spores, uh, because he can she, read his mind. Is that can, what happens? Yeah. See, and this then... is yeah. I, I ranted about the black hole thing, and this is the thing that we should really be ranting about, I guess. But this is just, the thing we yeah he we plug him into this weird sticky chair thing and then he eats spores and then they read his mind and then he can navigate. Somehow he has coordinates in his mind. So well, somehow we can read so minds dumb. guys. So dumb. Yeah. We can read minds. Yep. That, that was the thing that and not I, only people minds, animal minds. We can read like slug animal creature minds. minds. <laughs> yeah. And Stamets, not only can we read the, but it comes out in like a map. Yep. Like we can, it's yep. a nicely, with Nicely literal made. coordinates on it. He said map. every every star and planet in the known universe. Huh? I, <sighs> yeah, this is this that that was this, again like the firewall yeah. black hole thing whatever gobbledygook great. <laughs> but when when you do this it, it opens up for me a whole I, I just it was hard to uh, get past my disbelief. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it just it was a little difficult here. It seems silly, I guess is my, the, the, for lack of a better word, that's all I can come up with. But yeah, yeah. but it works, whatever it is, you know, Hey, they yeah. get there and it's wonderful. And uh, they, they jump in and it's, it's kind of cool. Like, I think it's an interesting look. I think it's a little hokey that the ship spins, like it rotates. Yeah, that's weird. The discs rotate, which by the way, Steven was right about last week. Um, he was. He called that. And, yeah. And they so the discs rotate, 
It was a cool shot. And then it they I, like hang the on, ship hang on. spins. I, yeah. Hang on. Da- Daniel, you said it was okay. Hokey or whatever. I, I thought it was great. I like the look. It's a very different look than Warp. Uh, sure. You know, it does almost a, a Inception, you know, like uh, multiple, sure. you know, varieties of the thing and then you know collapses in on itself and then appears somewhere i i thought that was i, I like that effect i think it was pretty cool i like the appearing more than i liked the the disappearing thing i i because i actually when they so they, so they implement their plan Here, here's why i say this they implement their plan right they they um they appear over the surface of corvan 2 which is under attack by the klingons and then yes. they um they, he's, you know, Lorca, we see Lorca's strategy. I do like this. We see Lorca, you know, planning and, and he's in battle and this is his element. Um, and he, he disappears right at the last moment as the, the ships, the Klingon ships are about to converge on him and they've left behind some kind of a, a bomb that explode that blows up the, the Klingons in the, in the sky. Yeah. I, I, I did not know what happened until I watched it the second time. Really? I, no, I, I really, I had no idea how he destroyed those ships. I didn't see. I had no clue. I thought he disappeared and then they rammed into each other or that they shot at each other and like, you know, the crossfire hit one another. I had no clue. And I was like, what did they didn't do anything? They just went in and disappeared. That's lame. Um, I liked the look of it. I think that was really cool, but I just, so I'm just, I just am confused. You guys both got that. I did. Okay. Yeah. Me me too. It it seemed Fairly clear, but yeah, no, I, I, I understand. Yeah, no worries. I, I was focusing on, on black holes and, and stuff. So, <laughs> so hey, <laughs> so you're so really angry. distracted. My thing with the spores, the spore traveling as a whole, um, I, yeah, it looks interesting, but my problem with it is is a, a classic prequel problem, uh, where yes, agreed stuff happens that should impact the future, but of course we've already seen the future and it, it and it doesn't impact it. Now, I, th- so, I think that they're gonna do something with the spore technology where it's a huge danger or risk or there's some reason why they can't use it that's that's yeah. gonna happen i get that but we've seen uh, i'm guessing here hundreds of years in the future right uh in star trek is that right about 100 yeah uh so that maybe what's gonna happen with it, this technology that they can't within a hundred years figure out how to use Perfect. it safely or appropriately or whatever the issue is you know it's just kind of like yeah I, but that's a problem with any prequel. There's always these little things that it's kind of like, huh? That's not in the. That's not. And in this the rest is of the a, show. even a weird. Yeah. Well, this is even a weird prequel because it's not a prequel. It's it's a, a midquel. It's after Star Trek Enterprise and before the original series. Right. Uh, you know, which it's it's like they're wedging themselves in. I think I've said this every episode of our podcast. It, that actually really irritates me with. Star Trek keeps going back to its beginnings, and I feel like they're just writing themselves into corners. Yeah, exactly. Um, that don't need to be there. Why? Why not just go? A th- if you want to reboot or whatever, go a thousand years into the future. Go so far ahead that we can do weird junk and and you know mess with time travel if you want to go back in time. But I all of that stuff I agree with you. It's why I think they're gonna destroy the Discovery. I think it's got to be well, here- destroyed in the next uh, within this season or next season, I guess. Here's my bit of just theory here of where we're going, where we're headed. And I think it's telling the next, what happens here, you even have in the show notes, Tyler, that it's weird that the Discovery didn't stick around yep. and beam all those folks on board and take them to the nearest Starbase and save them. Yeah, I agree. Oh, it's man, because, it me. Yeah. It's because the Discovery doesn't exist. Yep. And 
they they don't want anyone to know that it ever did exist. And there's probably only a handful of people at Starfleet. So what happens if all those people die and the discovery gets destroyed? Yep. Who knows about this technology? No one. Yeah. And so that's that's why I think they're going here is, is this is going to be discovery is secretive. No one except for a handful of people know that the thing even exists. And so we're in a war. We're gonna, they're going to use this technology. Something terrible happens or it's not, you know, a stable form of, you know, thing. Obviously, they're bringing in this this creature that it's harming and hurtful. So we probably need that one i don't know if we can find another one of those things yeah. so perhaps oh, they, maybe they you know, run without out that yeah exactly so i'm just saying there's a lot of limitations here and i think they're doing a good job of keeping the discovery secret now again this is only the fourth episode technically i sure. guess if we add the, if we say the pilot is two episodes this is only the fourth episode so we don't really know if that's going to continue from here on out where the discovery won't ever show its face but I have a feeling that's the way we're going to go here. This is going to be a very stealthy, we go in, no one knows we were there, sure. and we leave. Because um, they don't want anybody to know it exists. Because if they if the Klingons know it exists, then it is no longer really useful. You right. know what I mean? Or they can start to try to defend. Well, and even, even just going with that whole secretive thing, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the... the discovery is, you know, we were talking about this last episode, you know, they... Uh, there's definitely there's these weird people with black uniforms and black com badges and all this other stuff that we're we've never really seen before. The discovery is also registry number ten thirty one. I'm seeing more and more this is section thirty one's ship, and so section thirty one. I they could in the future. So Daniel, sorry for for uh, for the layman. Uh, section thirty one is like the double O section of or like the ultra secret like black ops section of Starfleet. Um, and no one talks about them. No one knows that they exist. They have operatives everywhere. It's, it's kind of crazy, but, um, and so that if they don't destroy the discovery, I think that's where they're, where they're going with this is that it's, it's just super ultra secret and, and maybe they keep it and they just, they don't want it to get out ever, you know, to, to Starfleet, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. So okay. that mostly brings us brings us to the end of all this. Um, other than we we get the the fact that um, the tardigrade doesn't doesn't trust Michael Burnham any longer. You know, it, it she had kind of developed a weird rapport with it by feeding it spores, and it licked her in a really weird way uh, earlier. And then um, we so the, the we bring up the question that she that she asked at the beginning, and we see that that the tardigrade is um, this is another time that. Uh, you know, some creature in the, in the Star Trek universe has been used because it's a creature and, and it's mistreated by the, by the humans, um, which is where we get the title of our episode. The butcher's knife cares not for the lamb's cry. Um, you know, this creature is going to be used. It's going to be, um, you know, bled dry to, to do what they need to do. Um, and then, and then discarded. Yeah. So I, I think, I really think that they want to make some big thematic statement. And I was like, okay, Cool. Thanks. Yeah, they're gonna have to work a little yeah. harder. Yeah. they're not quite there yet. And they've done it way better in past Star Trek episodes. You know, I, I, I it piggybacks on you know lots of lots of other Star Trek episodes like the Horda or um, uh, Encounter at Four Point and stuff like that. So, yeah. So then we get to Giorgio's will finally, right? We yep. get to see what's inside the box. Oh my gosh! And I'm sorry that she wrote that stupid 
letter that wonderful sorry that wonderful touching letter that she wrote to <laughs> to her uh, her protege. She's yeah. like, honestly, all she she should have just written. Michael Burnham, I know that you betrayed me. I know that you killed me or caused my death. Feel terrible about this. And here's something to remember me by. I mean, even though it was written so sweetly, like every every second of that that whole broadcast was like, was like, oh, I know that you you must have your own ship right now. You must be happy wherever I am. I'm I'm so proud of you right now. Like it was so on the nose. If the other stuff earlier was on the nose, that was more on the nose. Right. Yeah. No, I don't I don't disagree with you. This this the, it it was it obviously was trying to be sweet and like hey, you can still redeem yourself from all that you've done. Uh and obviously give her that frame of reference of this person believed in me. Yeah, true. Trusted in me. Stone. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's fine. I and I don't know. From a from a plot point, I just I I think it says really it confirms what we suspected. Lorca planned to have her on board the whole time. There's, there's no way they would have had that, that telescope on the, on the discovery if he hadn't planned it. Or oh, just bad writing and they didn't think about, <laughs> but you know, sure. One, one way or the other. Yeah, sure. All right. I think that that really brings us to the end. Uh, is there any, any final thoughts, anything that, that uh, Daniel wants to say, uh, Daniel, you're going to keep watching. You're not done with it yet. I'm not done with it yet. Uh, but this is, uh, of the th- the four episodes we've watched now, this is definitely the weakest one and the one that has me the most worried. Um, I I need I, I I don't know what I need from this show, but I just need more um more to keep me engaged because uh, I was sure. not not fully engaged. I I don't know I I don't know if it's a problem with the serial nature of it that that it's one storyline so it's kind of uh, playing out a little longer or. Uh, I don't know what I need, but yeah, I'm I'm a little worried. Yeah. What yeah. about you, Chris? No, I, you know, I'm, I'm Ann. I'm having a good time with this show. I like the look. And like you said, Daniel, at the very beginning, the production value of this show Man. is out it of is. this world, <laughs> quite literally. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying that. I'm enjoying, I, I know that they want to go somewhere. And so I'm just giving them the benefit of the doubt. I think that every, first season of star trek uh all the series have never been all that great uh and so i'm just i I think still this is actually like in the mid-tier still this is better than first season of the next generation or first season of deep space nine by far that's what i'm saying like i i i'm i'm more than willing to forgive it and that's that was one of the things i was talking with some friends of mine uh this week too they were complaining about a lot of this stuff and i said look you know to be honest with you like I understand that, but this is a new Star Trek. They're trying to do something different. And in three, after season three, let's come back to this conversation that we're having right now and see if we still feel the same way. Yeah. Um, if they get to season three, yeah, they but may that's not. The thing. But if, I, I agree. And I see what, see what you're saying, but it's got, I've got to make right, it right. to season three, you know? Right now. I agree with you. I agree, but I still think there's enough here to make it. I still think this is one of the best sci-fi shows on television right now. Tell me another one that's better than this. Uh, Rick and Morty maybe is another a better sci-fi show than this. Perhaps Black Mirror oh, Black is a Mirror better sci-fi sure. show. Um, but but I know. But I'm just saying, like, there's not many that do this. Like, sure. I'm gonna say the Orville is doing a pretty good job right now. 
Oh, man, I'm going to disagree with you so hard, <laughs> oh, but that's okay. Well, I, we can, that's another conversation. Yeah, it is. And, and, I'm, I am loving And all that to say, I, I'm not, I, like I said, I'm, I'm not out yet. Like, I'm still, I'm still yeah, in, no, and I'm totally. still giving a chance. I'm just, this, this one has me more worried than the other episodes did. I, I was actually, but after the third episode, I had to miss last week. I was going to be on last week's episode and, and wasn't able to. But last week, I would have said, I'm in like this. I, yeah. I was loving yeah. it after the first three episodes. And then this one just, yeah. just took me down a, a few pegs. That's all. Sure. I I'd even say this is like a, a plateau, you know, giving us a breathing room maybe after the last episode, I I'm hoping that the next episode we get rain Wilson. Finally, we get Harry mud is, is in, I think. And then we have another main character is introduced a guy that's been in the credits since the, since day one, but we've not met him yet. So, um, so I'm really excited about about some the, the directions that they're Man, going. You are and maybe looking so away far from... ahead. You are like I'm not even. I didn't even <laughs> watch the next week on on Star Trek. That's Discovery. all. I, that's how I know it. I'm I'm not like looking way ahead. I oh, know okay. that this Dan- is it's it's just Daniel, on the next Daniel, week on. Daniel, Daniel, I just want to make you are aware that we're sh- we're actually hosting a, <laughs> a podcast about Star Trek Discovery, right? I just want to <laughs> clarify that with you. This is our job. We would this look is why we get paid the big bucks. That's right. It's the big bucks. Hey, have you gotten your check by the way yet, Tyler? Because I'm. Oh yeah, it was. I'm sorry. Maybe I got yours. It was. I mean, it was a big one. Bummer. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Next Trek. Definitely follow us on Twitter at the Next Trek. We love to uh, to interact with you there. So uh, send us a, a DM or a, a reply or whatever. We would love to hear from you about not only Star Trek Discovery, but some other things that are going on in the world of sci-fi. Until next time, guys, live long and prosper. 